2: are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We're so glad you joined us, and we pray that you are strengthened and transformed by God's Word today. Are you ready? Let's get into the Word as we continue the teaching from our previous broadcast.
1: So then it goes on as sheep shearer time comes, which is, you know, really like their Christmas. It was a time of celebration. Everyone was happy and, and you were going to get new clothes because the wool was there and you might even eat, you know, some lamb. You call uh, people over and there'd be celebration. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king after he invited his brothers and said, because he, he knew, by the way, that Amnon probably would not come because Amnon was just a little bit embarrassed, and Amnon was probably not uncomfortable around, was not comfortable around Absalom because, you know, he had this, this, this grudge. So uh, what, what Absalom's doing is working on making sure Amnon's there another way. So he says to the king, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. You know, it's that time of year. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. So Absalom understood if David came, all of his sons would have to come too because that's the way you honored uh, the king. But the king responded to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now lest we be, be, be a burden to you. You see, in those days, they, they, they respect. I know respect is so far gone today, but back then you still respected people and you respected people's office, etc. Et, et and you could not invite a king without... Presenting a feast fit for a king, and uh, David knew that this would be a lot on his son and all his servants, and it just required too much. So, so David, you know, for one of the rare times, says no. But then Absalom begins to urge him. He does his very best. He's like, you know, uh, David, come on, come on, Dad, you know, uh, come. This is important to me. Whatever. Uh, but but David would not go. But David did bless him, uh, which which was great. So but but when David declined. Absalom moved to plan B then Absalom said okay dad if you won't come please let my brother Amnon go with us now this made sense because Amnon was the crown prince he was the oldest son and uh, people expected him to become king after David so uh, what he was saying, in effect, is Dad, since you won't come, send the prince in your stead. And, and it was a fitting, you know, invitation. And the king said to him, uh, "Why should, should 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 he go with you?" So the king is, you know, he's suspicious. He didn't know what, what had happened and what, what Absalom uh, Amnon did to Absalom's sister. Uh, but but David still had not quite learned the lesson we talked about last week. He still had a problem giving his children well placed nose. And as a parent, you got to learn, not know for everything, but well-placed, some things are just not good for you yet. You hear what I'm saying? Some things will take you to the wrong place. I remember when I was in my teens, I thought I was grown, probably about 13, I thought I was a grown man. And I, I wanted to go see Staying Alive. And uh, y'all, I know I'm really dating myself. Uh, it was the movie, you know, John's Volta, crazy stuff. Um, and my mother said no. Well, she knew what type of stuff... Watching that movie would bring out of me. So, in her wisdom, she said, "No, of course I snuck and saw so staying alive." But, but the point is, a well-placed no sometimes lets a child know you care. And the king said, "Well, why should he go with you?" But Aslam urged him. It was against David's better judgment, but he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. What do you think's about to happen? Now Absalom had commanded his servant saying, watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, he waited till Amnon was most relaxed and most vulnerable. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Now those of us familiar with the Bible recall as David made Bathsheba's uh, husband drunk then murdered him, Amnon his son Made his brother drunk, then murdered him. You see, a parent seldom has the clarity to see the worst in themselves until it reappears in their children. He said, Do not be afraid. I have not commanded you, or have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant, good things. But, but Absalom understood that uh, his servants would be reluctant to take the life of one of the king's sons. And God had already prophesied that uh, the sword would never leave David's house because of his sin with Bathsheba. Bathsheba, and now the whole process has begun. So verse 30, 29, so the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose. If we don't face our problems when they're smaller, they only grow taller. If we don't deal with issues when our child's 2, 4, 6, 16, when they're like 28, 35, 59, it becomes very, very difficult. You, you, you have a space in your child's life to influence them like none other, and don't miss your window of opportunity. Do you hear what I'm saying here? All the king's sons arose, no one likes confrontation, but all of his children are now running from one of his sons because of the monster David helped to create because David avoided dealing with issues as they arose. You see, avoidance may be the best short-term strategy to escape conflict, but it's the best long-term uh, strategy to ensure an explosion. And when you kick kicking kick stuff down the road, you need to deal with, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your spouse. You know, I, I have found, I, I know I have a perfect marriage and perfect children and everything, but I have found that when, when me and my wife go on vacation, that's normally where, where we start having a, some arguments. You see, most of the other time, we're too busy, and, you know, I think we got to cover it, but then we go on vacation, and stuff starts popping up because you're not so busy and so distracted, and what we find is avoidance don't make the issues go away. All it does is spoil what could be good times or better times. And what I've learned is, is to keep a short account with people. I mean when it comes up if you have the relationship I'm not talking about being a whiner and always finding fault and all oh, you can hurt me when cuz you just you know you you accidentally did not say hello uh, you know and because really you were looking the other direction I'm not talking about silly but when stuff comes up keep a short account and, and deal with it quickly because if you don't deal with it quickly it's only going to grow and what 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 you could have yeah pulled up as a seed is now this huge oak And it got deep roots, and it's attached to all this other stuff because you didn't deal with it quickly. So we're talking about parenting, but really, in this series, what I've really been talking about is avoidance. And it can be applied to parenting, but it can also be applied to relationships. Avoidance is one of the more deadly and dangerous things. One of the things about avoidance is you, you don't really realize often you're doing it. Because you, you justify in your mind, say, "Well, you know, I didn't want to hurt their feelings, or I just wanted to wait to a better time." But, but you know, sometimes you do need to wait for a better time, but but not a never time. You know, you, you know, a lot of times it's just an excuse not to deal with the issue. So, in this series, last week and this week, we've already talked about seven steps, and I'm going to repeat them. Number one, you will never help a child overcome their weakness by pretending they're not there. So you do your child no favor by acting like it's okay when it's not okay. Same thing with your spouse. You do your spouse no favor by acting like it's okay when it's not okay. Number two, a good parent knows a child may at times need help telling the truth. Not that your child's a liar. I know my kids tend to tell me the truth. They tell me straight and all the rest. But I also notice they often tell me half the truth so they needed some pointed questions to get the further truth. Number three we learned, a well-placed no is healthy for a child every now and then. The child won't die. True story, they might even grow. Parents must live with the fact that one day their children will follow their example and not their advice. So, you gotta live this thing and and live like you're the solution to their issue. Number five, and this is where we were today a good parent is not just someone a child comes from, but someone a child can run to. Number six, raising children is not about making up for the deficiencies in your childhood. Well, you didn't get a whole lot when you were a child, so you give your child everything and you spoil them. That's a dangerous thing. Raising children is not about making up for the deficiencies in your childhood. It's about giving your kids what they need for theirs. Number seven, discipline, watch this, is helping a child solve a problem. Discipline is designed to help. It's not the same as punishment. Never strike a kid in anger. If you're super angry, shut up. Hold your tongue and wait for, wait till so you can respond and not just react. If you speak when you're angry, you're gonna give the, the greatest speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> punishment is making your child suffer for having a problem. I'm gonna get you. Because you did that, you embarrassed me. I'm mad at you. We're not to punish children for having problems because children have problems. That's why they have parents, to help them. But the worst is probably the last. But abandonment is acting like the problem does not exist. You see, David loved the Lord, the great psalmist of Israel. Problem was he just had some blind spots, and those of us in this room—we're good people. You, you love the Lord. I mean, David wrote the Psalms. He, 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 he worshipped. He was the lead worshiper of Israel. He was an amazing king, wise, strong in battle, but he had blind spots, and some of the issues. Well, some of the, 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 the right traits in his life, he kind of had in one area, but he didn't let it go to other areas. So like some of us are kind on Sundays, but then Mondays, you know what I'm saying? You know, we're good in one area, but we got to sprinkle it through every area of our, our lives. You see, if David would have faced his family the way he faced the giants in his life, if some of us would be as, in, as, as, as intentional, as diligent as we are on our jobs, with those we love in our family. If, if, if we would pay attention to our wives as hard as we studied for that degree that got you that car and that home you live in. My, my Bible says we're to live with our wives according to knowledge. The Hebrew is literally, you should, you need to study your wives. Why? Because they're not easy. (laughs) You're not going to get them in a day. And then they, they, you think you got them, then they change. They just change. They just change. They just change on you. They just shift. They'll keep it fresh. Yes, sir. (laughs) It says study. But I learned in my life, I not only study my wife, I study my children. When when my children would go out to parties, my wife would always hug them when they got home. By the way, I wasn't the one who stayed up. I went to sleep. I'm like, that joker's just going to have to figure this out. Like, if I get a call, I'll wake up. I need Jesus. But she hugged him. You know why she hugged him? To smell him. To smell him. <laughs> Had nothing to do with affection. Everything to do with wisdom. <laughs> when I come home, just joking, just joking, just joking. <laughs> First Samuel 1740, it's going to be quick. I'm going to wrap up and just say. Now David would have done, if he would have approached his family and ran to his family the way he approached the giants in his life. His life would have been very, very different. First Samuel 17, 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David hurried. One translation said, ran. Watch this. Ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David. Whenever he ran toward the battle, he always won. But whenever he ran from and away from the battle, he'd lose. And sometimes I know in my life, I don't always feel like being outspoken. I don't always feel like being the point person. I don't always feel like having to to deal with the hard issue. But I've learned when I don't run to the problem and from the problem, I all Ways, who's. Again, David was not a bad man. You're not bad parents. You're not, you love your children. You, you, you love the people in your life. But, but in certain areas, he began to avoid the hard. And I even know as a pastor, when I start avoiding hard conversations, stuff starts happening in the church, and stuff that could have been corrected at this level, now I got to deal with it at that level. You hear what I'm saying? What I'm trying to impress upon you today is it's not about being a tough guy, trying to be, you know, just hard-nosed. It's about loving your children and loving those around you, and if you don't deal with it at that level... It's just going to grow until, you know, at one point you could have used your finger, but now you need a chainsaw, not only chainsaw, you need ropes on the tree and and all the rest stuff to keep it from breaking the fence and the house when it falls because you let it grow so large. And God don't want you to tear up your house and your fence and all the rest. He wants you to deal with things while they are small. Avoiding problems we need to face is really avoiding the life you need to have. And the only way to have the life God wants for you is to deal with some issues baldly. Now I do want a few caveats here. Now, don't go into your house like an a, 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 a ox, a, a cow, whatever, in, in the china store. Thank you, it's the bulls that work. Lord help me. Y'all didn't pray for me enough this week. That's what's wrong here. Use wisdom and consideration and, and grace. And sometimes, though, you got to be firm, but deal with your issues. A lot of people, well, you know, this wouldn't happen if that external thing wouldn't happen. No, that thing was already there. The external thing just made it surface. And I would rather deal with things before external things come to make me have to. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then David put his hand in his bag, and all I've been doing for two weeks now is filling your bag. You have seven stones. You have things that can affect and impact your life. Then David put his hand in his bag, and the problem is some people don't have any tools in their toolbox. They don't have any skills to reach down for to address situations. So I'm not just trying to preach you happy, I'm trying to preach you wise. And he took a stone, meaning it may not be all seven stones you even need. It might just be one. And he slung it. He didn't just hear it, touch it, feel it, imagine what he could do. He used it. These principles today that I said, then we reviewed and went over. Don't just hear them, use them. In fact, I'm going to ask the team to post them on social media. Don't even pick all seven, just pick one and say, I'm going to apply it graciously, but, but I'm gonna apply it firmly in my life. I'm gonna have a conversation with that child. You know, and it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, come downstairs right now, sit at this table, I'm gonna talk to you. It doesn't necessarily mean that. I know with, with, with my sons, they're both different and I have to approach them, particularly as they're older, I really have to approach them differently because they're, they're wired differently. DJ, I would talk to most of the times on the way to, 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 to his basketball practices. And, and the DJ just liked to run shotgun too, so it was a little easier. David, David, was he liked to build stuff. So whenever I went to Home Depot or Lowe's or something, I put him in the car. But what I would do is really strategic. On the way, you know, we, we might listen to a little music for a second, we bob our heads, but then we turn the music off. And he stuck with me until we get to where we go. So he has to talk with me. And then we'll have a conversation. And you, you do this over and over again, just have some moments where you're kind of stuck together. Now they're grown now, so I can say these types of things. I couldn't have preached this message 10 years ago because then they would have avoided all these things. Oh, but now your kids are here, oops. But anyway, they'll love you for it, be strategic. And wait for that teachable moment. And sometimes in those conversations, it wasn't that I had a long speech. Is I might just have a question. But then they'll have a million questions. And then as I answer their question, it goes into another question. then suddenly we're at Lowe's. And then we come, you know, walking down the aisles trying to find what we find. But then we're stuck in the car going back. And we could pick up on that conversation. We, we, but But you see, I had to make the investment. I had to be intentional. I had to be strategic about conversations with my children. Thank God for the TV set, but the TV set makes it so we don't have to talk. Come on. I, I've heard it said that the, going to the movies is the first worst date because you don't have to communicate. Well, at least go out to dinner, then the movies so you can do some talking. And maybe you don't have a whole lot to say on the first date, but, but hear what it's saying. We let people live. We watch people live their lives and watch people talk instead of us talk, instead of us communicate, instead of us engage. That's why even that first time, that's part of the year, we start turning off the TV set. You're like, that's a, what type of church is that? Well, you're forced to talk. <laughs> You actually have to look at each other and have conversations and you're not distracted by, I don't even know what's on TV to use the name of stuff on there, but but you're not distracted and we need some time to make time really just to have some dialogue and conversations with one another. And David took, the stones. He went into his toolbox, grabbed some tools. The goal of this series was to give you some tools to make you stop avoiding stuff so you can graciously address stuff. And he popped the Philistine in the forehead. Use these tools and you will knock the devil down. You will knock the devil out. You will. So that one stone sank into his forehead and the giant fell on his face to the earth. So again, don't just hear me today. Don't just think about me today. Think about what I said today. Do it. The only thing I ask as I wrap up is just as uh, David ran toward his giant, make sure you run home to the biggest being that has ever been and you touch base with your father in heaven before you try to address your children at home. I'm gonna wrap up, but this may surprise you, but I am probably the least religious person you'll meet. And because of what I do, that may seem odd, but I don't do perfunctory stuff, that's just not my way. And let me tell you, the reason I pray is not because I'm religious. It's because I got children to raise. And then when they're grown, you, it's different. You raise them differently. In fact, sometimes it kind of switches a little later in life. They start raising you, but we won't talk about that. We're not there yet. But the reason I pray so much is because I don't have answers. I pray so much because I need God. I come to church because I need God's word. It has nothing to do with religiosity. I lift my hands in worship because I need His presence. I need emotional relief. I need to get me off my mind and God on my mind. I need to shrink my issues and enlarge God in my heart. For me, all of this is so practical. It has nothing to do with religion or religiosity. It has to do with everything I need in my life. So right now, as we wrap up, right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not calling it a religiosity. But you see, Jesse, David's father, did not invite him to the table. Jesse was not a good father, and David didn't become a good father, probably partly because of Jesse. But I do want to tell you, your father in heaven always has a seat at his table for you.
2: This has been Live Big with Derek Greer the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit GraceChurchVA.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.